HK. Good morning. Welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis. Japan's Tankan just out is worse than expected, but the best since 2007. Also in the headlines, Fed Chair Janet Yellen breaks up with the Hawks, saying, let's just be friends. GM issues a new recall of some 1.3 million vehicles. And a new book by Michael Lewis says you are getting screwed by high frequency traders. Stock market's rigged. The United States stock market, the most iconic market in, um, in global capitalism, is rigged. The FBI has reportedly launched an investigation. Now, it might not be news to you that the rich guys are having their way with you, but the book is getting a lot of attention, even though the issue has been around for several years. And there are plenty of different takes on the charge. This is just pure journalistic sensationalism. I mean, the flash traders are bit players compared to the, the biggest rigor of all, which is the Fed. I mean, come on. Uh, the idea that, you know, the market is rigged makes it sound like you know, some computer is right. in, a, in a back room conniving to squeeze this guy or that guy. Yeah, Hal is out to get you. Well, on the first week that we started this program back three years ago, we had extensive discussions with high-frequency traders, and they said then what they are saying now. We're the good guys. We provide liquidity. The spreads are narrower than they've ever been. So anyway, we've got a discussion on that coming up. And as I mentioned in the headline, also Janet Yellen juices up the stock market. This commitment is strong. And I believe the Fed's policies will continue to help sustain progress in the job market. But the scars from the Great Recession remain, and reaching our goals will take time. She gave a long speech, and everything in that speech pointed toward more accommodation, not less. And as I mentioned, markets were rather buoyant. We'll get to the Asian markets in just a minute. First, coming up on the program in terms of our featured segments, the outlook for Japan ahead of a consumption tax hike, and with that Tankan out today, and we'll give you the numbers on that in just a minute. We have Michael Every from Robobank and Ben Collette from Sunrise Brokers, specialists looking at uh, Japan. Uh, Michael will also share some thoughts about V. Vietnam, the Philippines, and some other peripheral markets. I see we have Francis Lun from Geosecurities in our studios as well. And also on the desk will be Joseph Zveglich from the Asian Development Bank. Uh, Mr. Zveglich will be talking about the prospects for Asia in the era of Fed tapering and slowing growth in China. So briefly, markets a little bit mixed this morning. The Nikkei is higher, uh, 25 points up at 14,853. Australia slightly lower, down seven-tenths of a percent. Seoul a little bit lower as well. The dollar is trading at 103.23 yen. So that's the dollar hanging on to strength and the weakness uh, there of the yen. The euro is at 1.377 U.S. dollars. The Australian dollar, 92.7 cents. And the fixing on the renminbi, 6.152. Well, let's get to a little bit more on Fed Chair Janet Yellen. And I'll bring you that tank can in just a moment as soon as I scrape up my script on that. But uh, Janet Yellen was meant to be the lead story up until the tank can came out just a, a few brief moments ago. Ms. Yellen said that the Fed needs more time to get people back to work. She highlighted the Federal Reserve's goals. To encourage consumers to spend and businesses to invest, to promote a recovery in the housing market and to put more people to work. 
Together, they represent an unprecedentedly large and sustained commitment by the Fed to do what's necessary to help our nation recover from the Great Recession. For the many reasons I've stated today, I think this extraordinary commitment is still needed and will be for some time. And she seemed to target the view that the Fed was in some way weakening its commitment. Recent steps by the Fed to reduce the rate of new securities purchases are not a lessening of this commitment, only a judgment that recent progress in the labor market means our aid for the recovery need not grow as quickly. Earlier this month, the Fed reiterated its overall commitment to maintain extraordinary support for the recovery for some time to come. This commitment is strong, and I believe the Fed's policies will continue to help sustain progress in the job market. But the scars from the Great Recession remain, and reaching our goals will take time. It was interesting. She highlighted three individual stories, uh, the plight of three investors or three uh, homeowners who had struggled. And people said that it sounded a little bit more like a politician, like a governor or perhaps a president rather than a Fed chair. But it also highlighted that qualitative uh, look that the Fed was uh, um, embarking on now in terms of uh, the jobless rate rather than a quantitative look. Okay, over to Japan briefly. Sentiment among large Japanese manufacturers did rise to the highest level since 2007, though with the sales tax increase taking effect today, uh, the outlook um, may weaken uh, in uh, the coming weeks and months. The Tengen index was at 17 in March. That was higher than 16 in December, but it was a little short of the median estimate of 19. And again, uh, it was better than we've seen since 2007. U.S. stocks up sharply. Investors buying shares that fell the most last week. Biotech and small caps jumped almost 2%. The S&P 500 was up 0.8% at 1872. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 134 points to 16,457. The Nasdaq up 1% and erased its loss for the year. Now, the FBI is reportedly investigating whether high-frequency traders have been violating U.S. law. The breach would be acting on non-public information to gain an edge over competitors. We go back to Michael Lewis now on the program 60 Minutes. He has a book out today called Flash Boys, a look at high-frequency trading. Stock market's rigged. The United States stock market, the most iconic market in, um, in global capitalism, is rigged. By whom? By a combination of the stock exchanges, uh, the big Wall Street banks, and high-frequency traders. Insiders are able to move faster than you. They're able to see your order and, and play it against other orders in ways you don't understand. They're able to uh, front-run your order. What do you mean front-run? means they're able to identify your desire to, to buy uh, shares in Microsoft and buy them in front of you and sell them back to you at a higher price. It all happens in infinitesimally small periods of time. Their speed advantage that the faster traders have is milliseconds, sometimes fractions of milliseconds. But it's enough for them to identify what you're going to do and do it before you do it at your expense. High-profile author Michael Lewis there uh, with Steve Croft of CBS's 60 Minutes. A lot of people weighed in, mostly, if you can believe this, mostly in defense of the status quo. 
I don't buy the argument that the market is a rigged market. I don't agree with Michael Lewis. I think there are disparities. I think there are inequities, but there always have been in the markets. Mm -hmm. And in balance, I think our markets today are better markets than they were then. That's the former SEC chief, Arthur Levitt. And here's another critic of Michael Lewis. I don't think the market's rigged. I don't think there's a surprise. The HFTs are, are, are rigged. I do think, you know, as I stated on the show before, is that you do have an issue with uh, unexecutable orders, phantom orders that he does bring up in the book. And I think that is a problem uh, because you go to execute an order and you think you're going to be able to execute and it's not there anymore. That's Stephen Ehrlich. Meantime, the reported FBI inquiry uh, stems from a multi-year crackdown on insider trading that has led to at least 79 convictions of hedge fund traders and others. So we'll wait and see if that FBI investigation is confirmed. Okay, back to the tank can now. We'll get to some of our guest coverage. And we say good morning first to Ben Collette, head of Asian and Japan equities at Sunrise Brokers. Ben, good morning. So, yeah, very well. Thank you. Um, Breaking stories this morning, a lot of interesting stuff uh, and quite a few guests. Uh, Nice to have you on first. Uh, Sentiment, um, not bad, best since 2007, but a little worse than expected. Uh, What were you thinking? Uh, Well, actually, you know, the one I'm looking at is this Outlook, the large manufacturing Outlook, which uh, we've not mentioned yet. Prior, it was 14. Now it's 8. you know that that's that's the one that I'm mostly concerned about. We had a pretty it was a it was a very very difficult month to trade Japan in um, in March. Um, April we start a new tax year. Generally that can be uh, positive, but we do have the uh, the sales tax. Now, a lot of the I think a lot of the negative impact is already priced in, but at best the uh, um, this tank can indicates uh, the market is uh, uh, is skeptical. I, I think the one thing we're looking at. Uh, is the yen here, and it's, it's weak. It's gone a little bit weaker than we were expecting, which is obviously positive. Um, but you know, the exporters, like things like the you know the industrials, we're not we're in, uh, we're not uh, that confident about the uh, about the returns on these going forward. So the outlook was weaker mainly because the sales tax is being launched today. I'm assuming that this forward-looking or as, as forward-looking a, um, a number of this large manufacturing outlook is is based on the fact that sales tax is going up. And it's not the, uh, you know, it's not the Mr. and Mrs. Tanakas that are buying three months of toilet paper. It's the, um, uh, it's what they're doing on the autos and the large ticket items, which is really, um, you know, which is going to have a longer-term impact. And I think, you know, because you're much more likely to front-load your your purchase demand for the bigger ticket items than the smaller ones. So, you know, things like consumers, a lot of guys were worried about things like the Brewers, Suntory, this sort of thing. We're less, you know, I think that's more likely to have priced in, but pricing in a long-term sales decline in something like um, Kirin, uh, you know, a beer manufacturer or, you know, a, a, the beverage makers, I think is a lot easier to do than pricing it in um, uh, to the auto. So, so to counter that, will the government likely step up some of the fiscal spending? Uh, well, that's that's what they said they'd do. They were going to. The intention was to spend this on um, uh, on stimulus of some kind. Um, and we don't really have any any clarity on what that's going to be yet. Um, and lack of clarity, which is what we're looking at here, is generally um, negative. Now, short positions are pretty low at the minute. We saw, you know, I think we've seen a reasonable amount of short covering. And to me, you know, the bigger ticket classic Japan brands, you know, Toyota, Honda, all these sorts of names. Look pretty, uh, look pretty vulnerable here. So we have uh, uncertainties what we're going to do on the fiscal side, on the stimulation or stimulatory side. We have a uh, a pretty disappointing tank, and the only thing we've got 
yen, but that needs to weaken significantly, I think, for this market to go higher. Well, market-wise, uh, you've got not only the weaker yen, but you've got uh, the Nikkei, which is sold down 9%, uh, one of the worst uh, performing markets around, uh, worst in Asia, I would guess, and among among the uh, established markets. Uh, that might augur for a little bit of a contrarian call. Oh, you, you mean um, the chance of it bouncing? Uh, yeah, you know, the you chances may be better of it... Um, outperforming in the next quarter rather than continuing <laughs> underperformance. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, the, like I said, the only thing that I, I think the, the, the main thing we're looking at is for the yen to carry on and, and stay weak. If the yen strengthens and starts, if, you know, the, the, the situation in, um, uh, in the U.S., I, I think, is what makes the yen, uh, yen strength probably a, a, prob- a higher probability than yen weakness. Um, because we have margin positions at an all-time high. We have a shift, apart from some short covering that you mentioned in the names that were killed last week, we have a shift into the more consumer demand names, and that's generally not a positive sign. I suspect the first couple of weeks in April could be pretty, uh, could be pretty hairy. Um, and like uh, some of your other commentators mentioned, the, the, the tone and nature of the commentary from Yellen is much more emotional than you would expect from the, uh, uh, from the Fed. So if they're using um, anecdotal stories rather than hard data, and now seem to be coming back. I, okay. you know, right now, it looks pretty. Um, I think the yen is quite vulnerable to some uh, uh, to some to strength, and I think um, you know I, I think the the, uh, the bonds look pretty um, look like they're set to turn a bit higher. Okay. Uh, this market's got further to go down. This, there's a little too much optimism for um, for the start of the year, and I think you know we'll start we'll start looking to buy some stuff maybe the mid April if it if it comes off. Okay, I'm gonna get my Baron's business book out to check out uh, Harry what that um, the description is. But thank you very much. Generally unattractive. Generally unattractive. I know that's an aesthetic that we maintain here. We yeah. like clean clean shaven and smooth. Okay, Ben. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll right, let you buddy. go. Ben Collette, head of Asian and Japan equities at Sunrise Brokers. I'd like to say a quick good morning to Michael Every, head of financial markets research for the Asia Pacific at Rabobank. Michael, good morning. So um, the outlook, kind of interesting listening to his take on things, uh, uh, thinks the outlook is still a bit tenuous uh, for Japan. What's your view? Well, I'm actually encouraged to hear somebody who is equally as gloomy as myself, because uh, usually everybody tries to be much more upbeat on Japan than that. Um, I, I would share his sentiment. I think the Tankan this morning was disappointing. And I think more generally, really, the wheels are coming off Abenomics and, and have been for a while. We, we got a fantastic reaction last year where the equity market really surged and we we did see a bit of a pickup in a few data indicators but the trade deficit continues to widen uh, the growth impulse is fading fading and uh, real wages uh, i think they're currently at their lowest since 1991 so do you think the problem was the third arrow the restructuring uh, you didn't see the japan exporters um, lower prices to get market share they just took the profits and they didn't seem to raise wages that much is that a part of the reason that abenomics in your view is is slipping part of it. But I think, remember, Japan is still a very, very large economy, even if we forget about the powerful export sector. It's still an extremely large economy. And what they should be trying to do is focus on domestic demand. If they really, really want to have a long-term sustained recovery, you have to be looking at Japanese households themselves. And as I said, if your real wages are at the lowest since 1991, and then as of today, you put up sales tax from 5% to 8%, that kind of thing is not going to encourage households to go out there and spend. And as a result, you are reliant just on those exporters managing to try and squeeze out a few extra 
points of market share in a very, very weak global demand backdrop. Remind me of the last time that they did that and how it failed then. Um, they did that back in the 90s. Yeah. And, of course, their timing was terrible. Uh, that happened just around the time of the Asian crisis. So you could say that there was an, you know, an external shock to the system. But then equally, you could say that the, uh, you know, the external backdrop is hardly favorable today. We've got you know, the U.S. really struggling to turn the corner, Europe really just keeping its head above water, and China wobbling quite significantly. So also not positive there. But um, you know, to use really complicated economic terms, it ended in tears in Japan. Okay. A lot of time on Japan this morning. Maybe we should move on. A couple of quick comments from you on places like Indonesia, the Philippines, and Vietnam, uh, where stock markets have been pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty gloomy up until now, but I have to say that there are certainly some uh, some silver linings to that cloud. And Indonesia and the Philippines in particular are two of them that we like very much. The macro fundamentals there are, are certainly improving. Um, you've got large domestic markets with, uh, you know, strong growth potential going forward. And critically, as one of the key metrics that I look at, in those economies, you've got low debt levels. You've got low business debt, low government debt, and low household debt which means that, you know, if necessary, they can continue to borrow for a few years going forward, even if you have a rocky external demand backdrop, which makes me very positive on both of them. Okay, I'd ask you to stay on the line if you don't have to run. If you have to run, go ahead. I've got a couple of other guests, but uh, maybe you can weigh in as well. I wanted to say good morning now to Francis Lun, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Geosecurities. Francis, good morning. It's good to have you on the program. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the more dovish comments from Janet yeah. Yellen. Is she sort of, I kind of teased in my headline just for fun that she was breaking up with the Hawks and saying, let's just, <laughs> let's just well, be friends. But I mean, is she backing away from the around six months comment uh, yeah, last week? I, I think uh, she rushed the comment a little bit last time, and uh, actually, in her heart, she wants to keep the uh, uh, ex uh, very loose monetary policy for as long as possible, because she knows that the employment situation really have not improved that much, because uh, a lot of people just gave up, uh, gave up on work, uh, finding work. So. Unless and until that improves, the job situation in the U.S. improves, uh, she will keep on the uh, extra loose monetary policy, meaning uh, pumping money into the system. Uh, yeah, like, like, it or, like it or not, uh, mm. she does seem to be in stressing the qualitative. Uh, yeah. it, you know, without stereotyping, uh, it's more of a woman's approach than a man's approach. <laughs> she's, she's not going with the math. She's going with, um, you know, the softer side, which is, look, a lot of families are still suffering. Well, I, I, I think you, you will put her in, in the de uh, Democrats' camp, really, the, uh, uh, the government intervention and trying to provide uh, jobs to families as, as much as possible as compared with the Republican approach that they let the free market work and people will find work. And I think uh, the, uh, this, this is where he's, she's a different philosophically from the Republican side. And Michael, do you think that uh, the Fed is now a little bit more dovish than we thought a week ago? Well, I think the initial perception when Yellen came in was that she was a dove. And I think it was more 
the opposite reaction when she was actually more hawkish than expected with the six months comment. But I do agree. I think she was caught on the hop and, and did misspeak there. I would just add, by the way, as a comment that, of course, the, you know, the gentleman who introduced the massive QE program was Ben Bernanke, who is a registered Republican. So <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think the Democrat-Republican split really plays out the way that one might think. Yeah. All right, Michael, I'll let you go. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on Money Thank for Nothing. You. Michael Every, head of financial markets research for the Asia-Pacific at Robobank. Francis, weigh in on Michael Lewis. Uh, are high-frequency traders distorting yeah. markets and screwing people listening to this program? Well, well, actually, the machines have replaced uh, traders worldwide. And uh, you look at Europe, I think 30% of the trades are conducted by machine. And in the U.S., about 50% of the trades are conducted by machine. So what is the stockbroker to do? I think just give up and uh, go go home and farm, I guess. I think uh, I, I read uh, last month that uh, somebody predict in a few years, uh, uh, machines will, will do a lot of work for human beings. But in the... Uh, Securities industry, they have already replaced human beings. And you buy a very expensive machine, and they're like, where to? In five years, they only have one losing day. Yeah. So nobody can match that kind of performance. Okay, just a final question. Uh, we've almost recreated all the jobs lost in the United States, mm -hmm. 8 million jobs lost within a couple hundred thousand now. Yeah. However, Janet Yellen is saying that it's the quality of those jobs that still needs to be improved. So they're going to go beyond where they are. Yeah. Um, do you think the U.S., um, you know, in six months or so is fully back on top and has created jobs net-net over, you know, since 2008? Well, the, then you have to create more Wall Street jobs in, in New York, and then you have to create more jobs at uh, General Motors uh, to be really uh, count uh, the U.S. In, in the full employment uh, mode. I think uh, there's still a lot of hard work to do. Let's say good morning to Joseph Zveglich, who's Assistant Chief Economist at the ADB, the Asian Development Bank. Good morning. Uh, Joseph, good morning. Yeah, thank you for waiting patiently. Everybody gets about five solid minutes or so. Thought we'd talk to you about the linkages between China and the rest of the region. This slowdown we see in China, is it having a lot of knock-on effects? effects uh, on the other countries? Well, we're seeing very steady growth in the Asian develop, uh, uh, developing Asia region. Uh, in part, it's this uh, recovery that we're seeing in the major industrial countries, U.S., Japan, Euro area, uh, uh, compared to last year, seems to be pushing things up. But yes, this, this uh, switch in, in China for more uh, softer growth, uh, the, a better quality of growth, um, is having some, some weight on, on the region. But we are seeing that uh, China itself is managing to, to maintain a, a, a rate of momentum that it should be able to reach the, the targets the policymakers there have set Are you for seeing it. small and medium-sized businesses benefit, or is it the larger corporations? Well, for us, we're, it's it's more looking at uh, the the macro picture from the, the the developing countries, and we're seeing across the the, the Asian region that we're uh, uh, generally st uh, steady growth coming forward. Uh, but in terms of of who's benefiting, uh, Southeast Asia and the the exporting uh, newly industrialized economies seem to be benefiting more from that that boost that we're getting from the recovery in the in the U.S. The guy sitting next to you, Francis Lun, has yeah. been on this program many times, saying that he thinks tapering. Uh, and eventually higher interest rates are going to hurt the emerging markets. Um, where's your position on that? Well, uh, it, it, 
in terms of, of the tapering, we saw a much bigger shock uh, uh, last year in the summertime. Now that tapering has actually begun, markets seem to be taking it relatively in stride. And I think uh, there's the benefit of, of, of better communication. Although, as we saw from uh, uh, Governor Yellen, uh, uh, Yellen's uh, uh, comments last night, it's also a matter of, um, uh, of listening to what, how markets are perceiving you and adjusting as you go forward. Uh, but we're not seeing the knock-on effects in emerging markets that we saw last summer. Um, the big question will be what, uh, when will the interest rates be rising? But because that's going to be linked to the strength of the U.S. economy, we're not expecting it to derail the emerging markets. One of our earlier guests said that he liked Indonesia and the Philippines. Uh, how do they look from the ADB's uh, perch? Uh, uh, looking at Indonesia, we do see some improvements there from from the summer, where it was really uh, targeted as one of the uh, the more vulnerable risk areas. We've seen uh, uh, that uh, allowing the exchange rate to absorb quite a bit of that shock, uh, and as well as making improvements on the fiscal side, uh, that that economy is looking stronger than it had been this summer. Uh, the Philippines uh, um, had benefited quite a lot from a, a, a boost to government investment last year. Uh, we're still expecting relatively strong growth, although so it may be uh, off a bit from what it was the, the previous year. I've been looking a little bit at India recently, and it seems like uh, market players have, uh, have taken a more benign view. Now, uh, a lot's going to depend on, on what happens after the elections. Um, there's really a need to continue the reform momentum there. Uh, so regardless of the outcome, uh, it, the, behind uh, uh, China's uh, 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 growth, we have reforms that are slowing things down because it's trying to, to rebalance its economy. In India, it's the more fundamental reforms in order to, to get rid of the bottlenecks for investment that are needed. And that needs to continue to keep the growth pace going. And since we don't have too much time, we go back to China. What are the biggest risks that China faces at the moment? Uh, well, Ch China has a very challenging reform agenda ahead of it. I think on the top of the list is the, the reforms in the finance sector. Um, and as we saw it last June, uh, as the, the, the PBOC uh, came in to, to try to, to deal with the expanding credit, um, it's still learning how to, to fine-tune using market mechanisms. Uh, it, and that transition, I think, uh, may have some bumps along the way. Uh, but in, in general, we're quite bullish on China. Are you, in the, are you in the camp that more defaults is a good thing. Uh, in terms of the, of the private defaults, because it, it will start to show that they are serious, that this, uh, th that this is a, a market where market players are going to need to consider the risks. And so uh, some defaults are going, to, uh, are going to be needed. And the fact that we're, we're starting to see them being allowed is, is a good sign. Uh, uh, but the, it, this transition from largely uh, uh, state-owned, uh, bank-led uh, capital markets to, to more market-led uh, 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 market mechanisms is going to be a, a challenging one. Francis, um, a week ago, you were high still on the uh, new economy in China. Yeah. You picked uh, Kingsoft, 3888. Yeah. Uh, struggled a little bit for a few days, but yeah. uh, just had a nice bounce yesterday. Yeah, right. uh, the, um, overnight, we saw the um, biotechs and the internet companies in the U.S. Uh, uh, resurge. Uh, do you think that now in trading uh, in these coming days that those um, internet stocks here will do well? Yeah, I think Kingsoft will rebound, but I'm not so sure about Tencent. I think uh, Tencent's results show that they, it really reached the uh, 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 
uh, a bottleneck, you know, the, the maximum number of active uh, players they have. Yeah, the funny thing in the States, uh, one thing that's been working recently has been old tech like Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft up almost 10% this year, uh, way, way better than the S&P 500. Out here, we don't really have old tech, do we? Well, we have the old economy. I think you should go back to, uh, we can go back to the uh, mainland banks like uh, ICBC, China Construction Bank, etc. Uh, they are trading at uh, five times PE and one times book or some, uh, and the yield is something like 7% for Bank of China. So uh, you cannot go wrong on those because the, the downside risk is very low. All right, Francis, thank you very much. You're welcome. Francis Lun, GEO Securities, and we've just been speaking as well with Joseph Zveglich, Assistant Chief Economist for the Asian Development Bank. Gents, thank you very much for being with us here on Money for Nothing. Deep breath, exhale slowly. Markets are trending a little lower. The Tankan disappointing some. The Nikkei down 45 points, 14,782. Three quarters of a percent down in Australia. And in Seoul, the Kospi is down two points at 1982. Another drop in gold. Whoa, down to 1281.80. We came from about 1400 just uh, three weeks ago. Uh, and oil prices 107.71. Money for nothing at 7.30. The weather next. Did I say 7.30? I mean 8.30. Cloudy with showers today, some squally thunderstorms. The showers to be heavy at times. Our maximum temperature likely to be about 23 degrees today. The outlook, the weather remaining unsettled in the coming days. It's 8.32. The news with Samantha Butler. Mainline prosecutors have brought corruption charges against a top general in a 